everyone and welcome back to What We're Watching, the podcast about all things television. Now, as gutting as it is for us Holby fans that there's only two episodes left, I thought what would be a brilliant way to cheer us all up? Well, a chat to one of its stars, of course. Olga Fedori joined me to chat all things Frida Petrenko, her best memories from working on the show, and how she feels about the series coming to an end. Enjoy! Can I um, start off, I think this would be a good starting point, to ask you how you felt like when you heard that Holby City was going to be cancelled? Because obviously it's been in the news a lot recently how viewers are shocked, and I was myself shocked. It's one of those like shows you never imagine not being on television you know and obviously yourself you're not in the show anymore so it doesn't affect you directly but obviously it was such a huge part of your life for for many years so like what did you feel when you heard the news yeah it's a funny thing with me like even after you leave I mean you you've spent so much time together with these people I mean you know the cliche about you know it becomes your family but it really does become your family um, those people have seen you at your best, at your worst, at your most tired, at your most, you know, grumpy and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it's been I, all together. I think I spent about four years on the show, uh, first stint and the second one, but yeah, it's, it's a very long time. When I first heard about, uh, the plans to, um, cancel Holby, I mean, just like everybody else, I was very surprised. Um, then I did a little bit more research and I saw that the viewing figure figures were, uh, actually really good. Um, I know how loyal the fan base is of Holby and, um, uh, how vocal they are. Uh, yeah, I couldn't understand for a while. So I kept asking questions to really figure out what was, um, behind this decision. Um, and I guess what I got from people, different people is that, BBC decided that the audiences that Holby has already has been covering uh, the demographic they already have it covered, and so decided to axe the show because it didn't contribute in terms of bringing new demographics, and I wanted to to um, focus on um, other uh, ages, other uh, categories of population. Um, which I guess more than anything, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel like, right, so we're so conditioned to be okay with business decisions and looking at everything as a business, something that is supposed to create uh, profit and where, uh, you know, that stands above all else. Um, and then, of course, you know, in a different context, we all talk about the meaning of television and the changes that it can create and the depth of societal transformation um, that it has a potential to uh, spur and, uh, you know, maintain. I mean, and that, uh, it's a much broader discussion, obviously, yeah. but um, that's, those were the thoughts and kind of really, really mixed, but mostly sad feelings where, um, I guess that do you want to am, am I rambling on because like no, the next thing no. that of course yeah no because as you said there about obviously every decision now a lot of them are profit driven and it's quite you know a show like Holby 
with the storylines they do, they drive a lot of awareness for like serious topics and issues and stuff. And it's the help that it must have given thousands and thousands of people over the years with the storylines they do. And, you know, especially being a medical drama, you hear those stories of people that, I don't know, like check themselves because of a serious storyline they've seen on the television and stuff like that. And it's a shame that a show like Colby can't carry on with all the all the good that it brings. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is to ask, I think I absolutely agree with everything you were saying. And it's just while you were talking, I kept thinking about, you know, uh, various types of fan mail that we would receive and we would talk about, you know, uh, well, people thanking, you know, writers for this or trying to figure out something else, teenagers feeling more comfortable in their skin because the character, um, you know, uh, has made them feel more comfortable. Like what I'm, I guess I'm remembering one, one letter when um, uh, a goth student wrote saying that um, she has been experiencing a lot of bullying in the past, but because the character that I used to play was so cool, <laughs> that it actually really helped her to fit in and so on and so forth. I mean, this is, this is, it's continue. It's so many different things that, you know, obviously uh, the show has brought um, for its viewers. But um, the other thing is uh, Holby uh, as a show, it kept that very important topic, uh, societal topic, very present every Tuesday, right? Like there was a conversation, every big debate within NHS and every issue, um, the writers made sure to, you know, cover everything that truly, truly mattered. And it kept it in uh, people's awareness. Um, so it was very much education. It was also supportive, I think, in this way of the NHS. And now we actually, we don't have that anymore. I think there is um, uh, a series that I've heard is wonderful with Ben Wishaw, um, but it's a, you know, it's a limited series. It's not something that's going to stay for a while. And as we, as you were saying there, obviously about that letter you got, um, your character Frida was was absolutely loved by fans, and she was she was really popular. What was the feedback like from people towards you? Because obviously she's she's a very unique character as well. You don't really get an outspoken emo or goth like I don't know how what whether she was an emo or goth, but you know like characters on British mainstream television that just says what they think and they're just proud of who they are and she, she was a brilliant character so like what was the feedback like to you when you were in the show um well I mean there's like there are a lot of very funny stories about that um when I just started I think um the producers and just uh the writer anybody on the show they weren't sure if the character was gonna you know work yeah. um so they only um i only signed uh a six-month contract while well, usually a regular sign used to sign a two-year uh, contract but i don't know what it is right now or, or at the very end of the show so they really weren't sure what was going to happen with her or if people are going to like her but the response was incredible i think um you know whenever we get a character who actually says everything that we all think you know, you can't help but identify with that person. Um, and we all wish we were, you know, more courageous and more outspoken. And God, I wish I said that thing, you know, like in yeah. the situation, instead of remembering it and, you know, thinking a better phrasing later. Yeah. 
And so I think she, more than anything, um, you know, it didn't matter what she looked like. It didn't matter what, what accent she had. Yeah. What mattered was that, um, you know, she actually spoke her mind when she felt like speaking her mind. Um, and I think a lot of people identified with that. Um, and of course, the writers um, of the show uh, have made sure that she was someone that people wanted to be like. Um, and that is one of the ways that, you know, television can really help integrate various elements of society together. You know, she was a representative of an Eastern European, uh, she, she was Eastern European, she was Ukrainian, right? Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Britain had so many immigrants from Eastern European countries and, uh, you know, as we know now, especially after Brexit, uh, it is a pretty controversial topic and for a lot of people, very misunderstood, very feared. And so to have a character like that, um, who people, no matter what their political affiliations were, um, you know, they felt connected to. And so hopefully people that they met in real life of this with the same accent they would be able to see them uh as someone with potential or someone to that they can connect to someone that yeah. they can respect rather than oh someone speaks with this accent let's put all the possible you know stereotypes mm -hmm. on them negative stereotypes which you know every nation has but yeah. um so i think the main really achievement of that character was i think that and how much of an input did you have to her character? Like how much of it was already laid out for you when you went to audition to play Frieda and when you first started playing her or, or how much input did you actually have in creating her? Um, God, it was so long ago, but I remember that um, actually uh, everyone allowed quite a bit of input um, because I guess I was born um, in Eastern Ukraine and raised um, there as well. So um, I had a lot of say as to, you know, uh, some of the writing, some of the scenes, but um, when it came to the actual image, um, I mean, we had incredible makeup artists and uh, a wardrobe designer who created Frida, but she also allowed me to go and do as much research as possible. Yeah. And you know, sometimes I would be, you know, in Camden Market and I'd be like, oh, this is perfect. This is her. And I would just send a picture to Helen and be like, what do you think? Uh, and she'd be like, yeah. Or she'll be like, hell no. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was pretty collaborative. And um, yeah, there was always a very deep conversation as to um, how exactly this character has to go because. We, as with any characters, you know, as an actor who's been playing her for several years and with the writers changing, with the producers changing, uh, with the directors changing for each episode, you are the one who's providing continuity. So it's uh, most of the time it was quite collaborative. And obviously, so, as we were saying, Frida was a very, very popular character. And we've seen over the last few weeks, now Holby is coming to an end, that a lot of popular characters have been returning. So would you have, like, I don't know if you were asked to return or if you weren't, but if you were asked to return, would you have? Or are you just at a very different place in your career now? Would I have been, would I have returned if I was asked? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, especially the show ending. I think it's, um, I mean, I can't, unless you have a major conflict, I think anybody who's been on the show for a long time would yeah. want to return and, um, say last goodbye. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just noticed 
about a month ago, maybe longer, that there are about three seasons of Holby on Apple TV. Oh, okay. But only yeah. Um, so random seasons. Well, I don't know if they're random. Maybe they were they were selected for a certain reason. But I mean, it, it at least would be good to be able to access, you know, the show on one of the platforms. Yeah, yeah, because I know they um, they show classic Holby, don't they, on um, UK TV Play and drama over over here in the UK. They have the Drama Channel, um, and they're showing old episodes of Holby. I think it might have been possibly when you during your first stint I saw a few episodes that was a while back though so I don't know what episodes they're currently on but yeah they show old episodes and I think they just keep you know get into a certain series and then start again and then get to a certain series and then start again and and replay for fans and I'm sure I'm sure that'll carry on for years I think the Holby fandom will probably even though the show's ending I can't see the fandom ending quite so soon do you know what I mean like discussing the show watching old episodes of the show Obviously, these characters have been in people's lives for many, many, many years now. So I, I can't see it just ending as soon as the show does. What about you? I guess I'm wondering, um, it's great that it keeps going in the UK. Um, but, you know, there's such a great popularity of, you know, British shows around the world. Mm. So I'm wondering if uh, at a certain point it will be available on the platforms where people from around the world can watch it and not just... Uh, within the UK yeah um this would be a certain consolation price yeah yeah can I ask did you actually did you have an equivalent to Holby City when you grew up in the Ukraine as you say big question what did we watch no you know what we only had Brazilian soap operas (laughs) very dramatic Um, what else We, we I think we had a Mexican soap operas but I don't think we had a medical, maybe we had one Polish medical soap opera. Mm. But that's, I remember that's what we were watching, but I don't remember actually having an equivalent. But I think it is interesting that pretty much every country has an equivalent. When people used to ask me in the States, um, you know, what is, what kind of a show is it or what are you working on? Um, I would literally say that it's an equivalent of, I guess, ER. Yeah. It's like, I think it's General Hospital. I think it was more of an equivalent of ER. Yeah. Uh, quality-wise and um, yeah, but I think every country has something like that. Yeah. And had you had you watched Holby before you joined? Like, were you a fan of the show, or had you watched little bits before you before you joined? Did you like obviously know how how huge it was in the UK before you joined, and how you kind of you know when you join those long-running dramas and you kind of become famous overnight? You know, everyone knows your face because you're on prime time BBC. Absolutely not. Did not watch it. Actually, I did not watch TV for several years for some oh, reason. Okay. Very obscure films, and I was hell bent on doing art, cinema, and that's it. Okay. Um, Thank you. Convinced me to uh, to do Holby. <laughs> so I did not actually no. I did not um, watch the show before. I did not know what it was really about. Um, not proud of it, but. Uh, that was the case. Uh, in my audition, I made an absolute ass of myself because my scene was with Jack. Um, and when I was doing uh, scene analysis, I kept saying he. And they sort of listened to me and listened to me and listened to me, the full room of uh, producers. And then at the very end, they were like, oh, yeah, great. 
And by the way, Jack is our lead female character. <laughs> I was walking out thinking, well, I'm not getting that one. <laughs> Something else you said, I was going to um, address that. Oh, in terms of uh, being recognizable overnight, yeah. I didn't have a problem because I had really heavy makeup. So up until they washed Frida's face in one of the episodes, I like it was very safe. Nobody knew, nobody recognized me. So it was okay. And did you like that? Did you like not being recognized, being able to go out with your anonymity intact? Um, you know, I think it's such an existential sort of ex- question and an experience of when suddenly somebody knows who you are because of like it's something you've done. Um, uh, I, it's not that I liked it or didn't like it. It it was a surprising thing when it happened for a bit. I mean, it's not like a huge change. Uh, some people, you know, uh, would recognize you, especially in London, it's great. Everybody's so cool. Nobody really gives a damn. Yeah. You know, there's Judy Dench walking past, Akira and I, like, you know, n- nobody really is gonna, um, you know, disturb you. So it wasn't really a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And and what have you been like working on since Holby City? Because a lot of actors, you know, when they've been playing a character for such a length of time, like in a continuing drama, they they want to do something like completely different and play a completely different character or maybe write or produce or direct. So what, what have you been working on since you left Holby City? Uh, the first, so I had one year before pandemic uh, started and then the pandemic started, everything kind of froze. I honestly um, only filmed, filmed one short film in London um, in 2000, the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, I had a lot of auditions uh, for various shows and I actually haven't worked. I haven't booked any of them. So, uh, but in terms of I guess I don't like talking about writing until one actually finishes something, you know, there's always mm. everybody's writing. So, um, you know, I think uh, maybe we won't discuss that for now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I'm, I'm, that's basically it. And then s- surviving the pandemic in various yeah. ways. Yeah. And obviously it was, it was even tougher, the, pand- the pandemic for financially for the arts and for actors, they were hit really hard. So like, what has it been like for you? And is it starting to get back to some sort of normality now or or not yet? Um, honestly, it's not really starting to get to the normality yet. Um, it has been very, very tough because, um, yeah, obviously you're not getting a salary of any kind. And thankfully, uh, you know, universal credit was helpful for a while, but it's... Uh, you know, Tory government is cutting that a lot. And a lot of the people in the arts are really, really struggling. I honestly, if not for credit cards, it would have been really tough to survive, to be honest. And like, I don't have children right now. I don't, you know, have, like I, like I help my dad, but like, I don't have that pressure for people who have families and who used to provide for them, you know, with their job in the arts. I honestly can't imagine how people have survived this pandemic. Um, and I, government definitely could have done a whole lot more um, and approached it in a much fairer uh, way. And what I mean by that is uh, understand the specifics of the art job, a job in arts. Um, It is not consistent. 90% of us 
do not make millions. You know what I mean? We're lucky if we make, you know, a normal paycheck, like when we're working on something continuously, like a lot of us don't have safety. Net. Um, and so, yeah, in that respect, it even under it just, uh, it seemed when I was reading about it or having discussions with people, it, it is as if the government has assumed that the artist's uh, job is, basically there was no understanding of the specifics, right? There was no understanding of the process. There was no understanding of um, lack of um, continuity, uh, which we all experience. And so I guess it just felt like we were invisible and uh, we were like a burden uh, that, um, you know, the government had to deal with. And when you are, uh, you know, receiving some sort of support, say universal credit, right? If you haven't gotten an artistic job for a while, they tell you to go and apply for a job at Tesco's. Okay, fair enough. You're not getting work. Like you're not sitting, you know, this is the first time that I actually applied for it uh, during the pandemic. But they literally were like, we don't care that you're an artist. We don't care that this is what your, um, you know, uh, job used to be. Um, if you want to be receiving support, you need to go and apply for um, any kind of a job. I don't think it's a great direction for people to move into. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I'm not obviously an actress myself, but I remember speaking to somebody, um, an actress during when, when the pandemic was actually happening. And, and she said to me, when you go into a job like, like acting it wasn't a money-making exercise it was a it was a vocation it was like her air she needed it she what she all she wanted to do was act it was like her passion and I'm, I'm assuming it's exactly the same for you and most actors out there and to then just be told to go and get a job in a completely different sector it must just be really hard when that's your passion and that's what you want to do absolutely but I mean there's also the other side of it right like okay mm. we're all contributing to society right this yeah. is a conversation about if we're going to be supporting you financially like what is your contribution to society so the attitude where uh what's been exhibited like recently it just is it just looks like okay well well if you're not providing a very specific service that generates this particular number of uh pounds you know you have no value so it's completely disregarding the value of arts and that's, that's absurd. So I, I would like to ask you again a little bit about Holby City, obviously, as it is coming to an end. Looking back at your time that you've been on Holby, obviously, the two stints that you did, what has been your best memory or storyline or episode that you've worked on either like on screen or an off screen memory what what is what sticks out in your mind as the best thing about working on hobby <laughs> I'm like hmm <laughs> it, it honestly is difficult to pick one um some of the most wonderful things that I remember are actually days where nothing really specific happened but there would just be a really great full of humor atmosphere on set uh, where, I don't know, people would just be cracking jokes or you would just be messing up your lines in rather creative ways. So it would entertain everybody. And, um, 
or I mean, some of the other things that I really enjoyed is usually it takes about three days to feel completely exhausted if you're working from the beginning of the day till the end. So you wake up at 4.50 for me and, you know, you get to the makeup chair at seven and then you work till what is it? Six? I don't remember anyway, but you get home late and then you do that at least three days in a row and you're done. You have nothing left. You have no filters, you have no energy, but you also have no inhibitions. So usually those days, like after about three days, after like Wednesday, if you started on Monday, um, people sort of (laughs) shuffle onto the set, but there is such calmness and softness and there's just support and everybody knows that everybody's tired and everybody's there to do a job it's hard to describe it but it's just there's something in the air that just feels like home feels like family feels like support um and usually those days were you know quite wonderful and often resulted in really unexpected performances or i mean uh, I remember, I made so many good memories. I mean, traveling was amazing. Um, it was quite spectacular when we went to shoot in Ukraine, um, which is, you know, all over the news right now. And it was also really special for me because my uh, parents were able to come and watch it happen. Oh, wow. Sort of closed down the majority of uh, like the center of Kiev um, and it was uh, super fun super great storyline story and um, yeah it was the last sort of my mom passed soon after that so it was extremely um, yeah it, it feels very important mm-hmm. uh, but so many more I mean working with uh, Rosie um, uh, is pretty much it, it's incredible it's every time you just never know um, was going to come at you. I think it's extremely, I love working with actors who do not pre-rehearse and every take that they do, you know, it keeps you on, on your toes. You have to react in the moment that there's no, you know, pre-rehearsed, pre-rehearsed way of doing something. And uh, recently, actually, I was editing my reel, um, acting reel, and a lot of the scenes on it ended up being scenes with Jack. And so I remember writing to her recently and going, um, I mean, what? Like, watch those scenes again. You're so spot on. Like, you're so tone perfect. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the storylines with Jack at the beginning and all the way through have been fantastic. I remember Halloween was really funny uh, when um, Jack brings her daughter uh, and Frida lectures them on the importance of fatherly influence. Um, Working with um, Alex was always a great pleasure. I mean, I remember the ones where we filmed when Frida gets dumped again by her uh, ex-Ukrainian boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, sitting on the bench and they're discussing, um, you know, various ways of address the melancholy and the tragedy. Um, I mean, that was really wonderful too. Yeah, I do actually remember that scene. It's funny you say that. I think I watched a clip not long ago I can't remember what I was watching but I do remember that scene where they were sat on the bench outside chatting and yeah that was really nice it, it was she was a, she was an absolutely brilliant character like you played her so well I, I really loved watching her and and as I say uh, watching her again on classic Colby where you can watch watch the old episodes again it really makes you think about who isn't there anymore and you go oh they were great oh their chemistry you know and you you look back on it did you did you take anything from set when you left? Like, did you have like a little souvenir or something? Yeah, yeah. a few items. Clothing. 
But then I also heard that they actually had a whole Frida's outfit um, in a BBC costume museum. So that made me feel very Wow, that's that's cool. That's a legacy. Uh, it's, I, I gotta say, it's more of Helen's legacy who created the look. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's an incredible designer. So that, um, and yeah, what did I get? I got a few little things after the first time and after the second time. And I think I remember thinking that um, it actually influenced the way I dressed. I like to always ask my guests at the end of the podcast, I have this little thing called TV heaven and TV hell. So it just gives listeners a little little recommendation from someone in the industry themselves. So do you have something to enter my TV heaven? So something you've either maybe a comfort show or something you've been watching recently that you really love or you think it's important? Um, absolutely. Too much, watching too much HBO, too much Netflix, actually. Um, but um, I highly recommend Succession. Um, I've never it, watched it. What's it What's it about? It's a show that's based on um, the family of uh, Murdoch, uh, but it's, you know, lo- loose adaptation. It's one of the smartest, most interesting shows. I find it fascinating that every single character in that show is a despicable human being, but we still keep watching, you know, like when you watch a TV show, a lot of the times you keep watching because you care about the characters and you fall in love with one and you dislike the other and you root for one of them. In this show, you just like, oh my God, you're all terrible human beings. So smart. It is so intelligent you just you can't you can't stop I think it's a brilliant um study um I really enjoyed watching The Sinner it's a Netflix uh thriller highly recommended oh my god we're re-watching Game of Thrones well actually I've never actually watched the entire thing um my boyfriend has but we're watching it again and Ozarks recently okay yeah yeah what's that about because I have heard about that but I've never watched it myself you know uh the storyline itself is such a small part of the show oh okay Uh, family of um an accountant from uh Chicago I believe who gets entangled into uh, a really corrupt or a really um illegal operation by a Mexican drug cartel Mm. and what his family goes through to survive and it's worth watching it's Jason Bateman and they are phenomenal and the whole thing is really really great okay Um, I'll definitely give it a try yeah yeah and and what would what would you pick for TV how this is always a lot harder because obviously TV is so subjective as a whole but is there anything that you you really haven't enjoyed or like a genre as a whole that you just you just don't like I don't watch many horror movies very okay. very uh, which is ironic because I did make a couple um um notwithstanding the classics of course um tv hell for me uh was I I don't really watch reality shows ever I never even watched the big brother but um for some reason, we decided to take a look at um, a couple of uh, 
dating shows on the island uh, just to see like what it's about. Um, and uh, which one was it? Um, too Hot to Handle, mostly because of the ironic um, commentary provide, provided by the voiceover. Um, then it sort of frames it all. And it, it's, <laughs> it's still kind of hell, but, uh, and it's sort of, you feel like your life is draining out of you while you're watching it. But it is a study over human nature a little bit. And you actually root for people who are genuine and aren't trying to be what they're not. And um, so that, and then uh, another thing popped up on our, I think um, I haven't watched the Squid Game, but I, there was a Korean dating show that popped up. And so I decided, well, I wonder what that's like. And that's definitely how, there's no question. It is definitely hell. The level of discussion is very superficial. Uh, people literally look like dolls. It makes me scared uh, <laughs> for how our population is going to look uh, with all the available, uh, you know, uh, plastic surgery yeah. and fill. So yeah, that that's hell. That, that I forgot what it's called, but it's uh, it's a Korean dating show. So to, I don't know. Maybe. Have a look so that you would uh, never watch it again. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, join me back here next episode for another brilliant interview with a fabulous guest. And remember, tune in to Holby tonight because it's the second to last episode and you won't want to miss it. <laughs>